Hello and welcome to EM Talk. EM Talk is a podcast sponsored by Axon Education and the Texas EMS School, and we are devoted to diving into the real world of EMS and everything relative. We interview real EMS providers, real hospital providers, real patients, and get the real story on what's going on currently in the world of EMS and what we can do to make it better. military base seems the perfect location to ride out the apocalypse. The only problem is, we're not at the military base that we need to be at. We need to make it to the safe zone in Galveston, and here we are at the seemingly abandoned post at Fort Hood. I've had so many friends who told me sarcastically uplifting stories about their stay in Fort Hood. For most of them, it was just a step to the next thing. For some of them, it may have ended up being their grave. For the amount of death that has occurred as a result of the initial viral spread of COVID-19 and then this new shockwave that created the converted, there are not many dead bodies in the now. Morbid thought is a cornerstone in the first responder field and a necessity for emergency medical services. Not that I want to see the dead bodies, but not seeing them and not understanding how half the population or more has disappeared tends to bother me even more than the smell inside of the bodies would. Take Fort Hood, for instance. This base had a population of over 25,000. I am sure that number was reduced initially to reduce spread of the virus, and then some were wiped out when we all thought things were under control. Surely, less than half the population of the base was affected, either by relocation or death. Now, I don't even see one dead body. How is that possible? This is the thought that goes through my head as we sit together this morning and devour some MREs we found in a stash in the office inside of this bay. As I taste this MRE, I think that maybe the reason they were not touched is because they taste worse than the virus ever could be. I won't complain though, really. This is food and I'm grateful to have it and the calories we will need to keep us going. So far, food has not been the struggle but it could easily become one if things keep going the way they have so far. I look at Mark and Casey. I look at their faces as they eat. I'm sure if they noticed, they wouldn't think much about it as I tend to do this kind of thing often. Something I picked up from my mother. My mom had died about eight years earlier and had been legally deaf and blind most of her life. She could still hear and still see, but had some very strong specialty lenses and powerful hearing aids. Something she would do is watch people's faces. One, so she could read their lips, but two, she had a knack for reading people's emotions or feelings or thoughts or whatever you want to call it. She just read people well. That is something I have always been able to do. I look in people's faces and I see the reality behind their outward appearance. It usually causes people to trust me. Not that they shouldn't, but people tend to open up to me about things, like they can sense the fact that it doesn't much do any good to hide. As I look at Mark and Casey, I see they are trying to show a lack of emotion, that they are tired and they're worried. These are things I've not seen often in the past with Mark and Casey, but I have seen it a lot in the past few days. 
As usual, Casey talks first. What's the plan, boss man? Boss man. That must mean he doesn't want to be the one that makes the wrong decisions today. That is okay, because we've all taken turns being the bad guy or shot taker, I guess. I know we can't stay here for long, but it would be so nice just to rest for a day. That won't fly, and I don't think I can do it. Not very good at sitting still. So I say, let's try and take a look around this place to see what we can find. This abandoned military base has to have at least a few things we can use. Casey and Mark nod in agreement. We begin to formulate a plan. We will start by deciding which buildings to look in and how we will search them. Luckily, we found a map of the base in the bay labeled by type of building. We decide that we will search the weapons cache first, then the hospital, then the mess hall. This base is like a small town, so it's laid out a little different. We decide that searching the civilian-type buildings won't do us much good, so we will save those for a backup plan in case we don't find anything during our initial search. This time, all of us will go inside the buildings together. Safety in numbers has to be the best plan. We're hoping to find some guns and ammunition, maybe knives, or really anything we can use. We hope to find some higher grade radio equipment as Casey has some experience in that area and may be able to get it working. We also want to find some more basic medical supplies and then some narcotics or some medications if possible. Obviously not for ourselves, but we're thinking maybe those we find along the way that are on the verge of conversion like Melissa from before could benefit from comfort before the transition. Lastly, we will look for some canned food items and more bottled water. Most people have grown weary of drinking any type of water but bottled because we discovered that the virus could be transmitted through water, even filtered water. But the companies that manufactured the bottled water had found a way to filter it out. So any bottled water left over should be from that period of time. Of course, uh, the bottled water manufacturers are non-existent at this point, so finding bottled water is like finding gold. Anyways, the plan thus far is to take at least one of the vehicles with us, so we have something to throw our findings in and something to take off just in case. We decide to take the truck that Mark was driving. It should be faster and more maneuverable than the ambulance. We load up everything we think we might need and put as many weapons on us as we have available. Not many, although we already found another couple of knives to carry. Before we decide to open the bay doors and take off, we want to find a way to check and make sure the coast is clear. I notice a window up top by one of the rafters. None of us really want to make the climb up there to take a look, but it seems to be the best option, as it is over the bay door we'll need to open, and it faces the direction we believe the first stop is in. It, I decide to take an I-beam in front of us as my first path up. Luckily, the ambulance is close enough and I can use it to get partway up before I have to try and climb. I climb up on the front of the ambulance and then onto the I-beam. Somehow, I manage to shimmy up and pull myself up onto the rafter. I get myself positioned so I'm not as worried about falling, and then I look out the window. I remember when I was a kid and my parents would tell me my grandparents were coming to visit. It didn't matter how long it was going to be until they got there, I would always sit by the front window and wait for them to arrive. 
I would stare out the window with excitement, almost like a miniature Christmas morning, waiting for the present of my grandparents' arrival. The contrast of that joy compared to the feeling I have when I look out this window is almost alarming. However, I do receive the present I hoped for. There's nothing to be seen. No converted, no people, no bodies, nothing. Nothing but the building we're looking for. The first building is going to be the armory. To my surprise, I can even see the door we need to get to. It is right on the side of the building closest to us. Whether we can actually get in the door doesn't really matter to me right now. Casey found a cutting torch earlier and a tank to go with it, so I assume that would be the plan for the door. I quietly but clearly affirmed to Mark and Casey that the coast is clear and that the building is right across the way. If we are going to go, we need to go ahead and go now. The plan is I will drive the truck. Casey will ride in the bed with the cutting torch ready to go with a plan to cut the hinges from the door as soon as I back up to it. Mark will open the bay and then close the bay and jump in the bed of the truck with Casey. I get in and start the truck. Casey jumps in the bed. Mark is by the bay door. I count to three. Mark raises the door. I pull forward slowly and with the coast clear in either direction, Mark closes the door and jumps in the truck bed. We take off quickly over to the first door head. I back up as Mark and Casey jump out carrying the equipment for the cutting torch. Casey fires it up and cuts the hinges with no problem. We decide to keep the cutting torch with us in case we need to access the weaponry we hope we will find. I grab the keys from the truck and we enter into the building. The lights are out and there is no natural lighting as this building is void of windows. Mark leads the way as he has taken the task of navigating us through the building. Surprisingly, there are signs leading us directly where we wanted to go. The trek through the armory goes without a hitch. We find the munitions room, and Casey uses the torch to get that door open. As we slowly open the door, we cannot believe our eyes. Guns everywhere, ammunition everywhere. I grab the cutting torch equipment from Casey and assign him to deciding what to take. He grabs some nearby duffel bags and starts to fill them. He fills one bag, which Mark grabs, and then fills another bag, which he decides to carry. The equipment I'm carrying is heavy enough and we know we're going to need it again, so I don't carry a bag. We head towards the exit with no problem. As we're leaving, we see a room labeled communications. This may be exactly what we need. This room luckily is unlocked. Although the duffel bag is heavy, Casey hands it to me and he clears the room, then searches for the equipment. Mark and I wait with our backs to the door, looking both Mark and I wait with our backs to the door, looking down both directions of the hallway as Casey gathers anything and everything we need. We load it up and take everything to the truck. Once in the truck, we load the guns and all three of us grab sidearms to carry with us. Although we all know how to use these guns, we are by no means experts, so carrying something small could be the best option when going in and out of these small hallways and rooms. Mark takes a look at the map and draws out the path for me to take to the next building. Same plan as last time. Mark and Casey will ride in the back of the truck, and I will drive. As we drive slowly through the abandoned base, I look left to right, hoping and praying we don't see anyone or anything. We make it to the next building without incident. The hospital entrance, 
doesn't cause us much issue and Casey gets us in yet another door. We enter as quietly as possible and quickly locate a map of the hospital. We want the ER or emergent care. That will be the easiest place for us to find the things we're looking for. Lucky for us, the ER is not too far from the entrance we came in. We just cannot see it from the path we took to get to the building. We slowly make our way around the building, down the narrow hallways, barely big enough to manage a hospital bed in. I'm honestly afraid, almost like we're going to be jinxed. We've had no issues so far. Nothing has gone this well yet. In the last few days, it just seems like problem after problem, but here we are, navigating this huge base, and we have not run into a thing. We locate the ER and decide to split up for just a minute. Mark is going to go and grab any meds he can find behind the nurse's station. I'm supposed to search the trauma room for some gauze, IV supplies, and other things like that. Casey is going to keep an eye on both of us from a distance so he can alert us if he sees anything. He stands close to the nurse's station where he can see me in trauma one and Mark back behind looking through the med cabinet. There's a sheet on the disheveled hospital bed and I throw my findings on it, then gather it up and take the sheet off the bed to carry it all in. Mark was able to find a small cardboard box and has loaded up everything he could manage to find. We make it all the way back to the entrance and load up the truck with no problems at all. I still can't believe things are going this good. As planned, Mark draws out the path to the mess hall, jumps in the bed with Casey, and we make our way in that direction. I'm just starting to get used to how smooth everything has been, just starting to relax a little bit. I feel my grip start to loosen on the steering wheel as the tension that has plagued my body for days starts to dissipate. This building is by far the furthest away from the bay we left the ambulance in, so it's taking a little bit longer to get there. I'm driving slow so that I can keep an eye out to prevent Casey and Mark from tumbling out the back of the truck. I round another corner, and that's when I see it. I knew things were going too well. I should have known it couldn't last. Up ahead, I see a large group of the converted, wandering around on the street. I look at the directions that Mark has drawn out. We could try to double back around. I start to reverse when Mark hits the top of the truck with his hand. I look in the rearview mirror and there's another group. There's nowhere to go. How in the world could we possibly have gotten trapped on this road? Before now, we'd not seen anything. But here we are, trapped. They all see us. I know they do. It's obvious as the heads and all black eyes start to point in our direction. I see Casey and Mark loading up a couple of the rifles that we acquired. The last thing I want is to make a bunch of noise and draw attention to us, but the group in front of us is starting to come this way and the group behind us is almost to us. I have nowhere to go. I don't want to let all the stuff we just found go. We could try to abandon the truck and make a run for it, but then what? How far are we from the bay? Could we even make it back there without the truck? As I'm looking for an exit plan, Mark fires the first shot. The group in front of us starts to speed up and the shots are raining out. I see converted behind us dropping left and right. We can't just sit here. To the right and left of us are houses. We are in the residential area of the base. These aren't big houses, and most of the lots are zero lots, meaning there isn't much room to drive if I wanted to drive through the yards. No matter how much ammo Mark and Casey have, they can't get rid of all of them. I've never seen this many together in one place. 
This could likely be everyone from this neighborhood and then some. Before all this happened, I really liked to watch movies. I recall a few action movies where the driver has no choice, so he just drives the vehicle through the house. I always thought that was impossible, but as I look around and see all of them getting closer, I figure we have to try something. The only clear path is to the right, clear except the house on that lot. I tell Mark and Casey to sit down and hold on tight. I rev the engine and turn the wheel, taking off to the right. I can't turn tight enough to miss the house completely, and if I lose any speed, this definitely won't work. So I continue to accelerate, and I crash through the yard and through the side of the house. The massive grill guard takes the brunt of the force and knocks out a chunk of the house as I see boards and fiberglass flying past us. There's a huge impact, but I keep my foot on the gas and we keep moving. I can't believe it worked. I cannot believe we were able to steer clear of the converted and get back on the road behind the group that was approaching from the rear. I look in the back of the truck and I see Mark and Casey are stunned, but alive and still in the truck. I gun it all the way back to the bay. Mark hops out, opens the bay. I drive in, he shuts the door. We look at our hall and we have a short celebration. We didn't get everything we wanted, but we did good and we are alive. It took most of the day to get through those two buildings. There is no way we can leave today. We need time to regroup and make a plan to get back on the road. We batten down the doors and proceed with the keeping watch plan of rest. I take first watch again as Mark and Casey have earned their rest. As they drift off, I'm happy to have them by my side, but ready to see my family again. When will I see my family again? All right, so uh, Mark, Casey, and Judd have gathered up some radio equipment. They've got some guns and ammunition. They've got some medical supplies, and they are back in the bay that they've been trapped in now for two nights. Um, so what will they find next? Where will they go next? How will they get back on the road? What about that large horde of the converted What's going to happen next? So uh, keep tuning in, keep checking on us, see where Mark, Judd, and Casey go next, and uh, we'll catch you next time on EM Talks The Converted.